What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched Vengeance, the feature film written and directed by B.J. Novak um, of Office fame, although he's done a lot of other stuff. He's done less than I thought. He does? Oh, okay. When I when I looked at his IMDb, I was like, oh, there's, there's less here than I thought. Oh. Like, it's The Office and then a bunch of smaller stuff. Okay. Well, anyways, it's his directorial debut yes um and we are going to give you our first impressions just off the cuff unresearched um i was going to say unfounded but they're founded they are they're founded on us watching the movie (laughs) and there will be spoilers so if you do not want uh the mystery to be spoiled watch the movie first then come back yeah so what do you think kevin I was not impressed. Yeah, I was thinking, I would put this movie maybe somewhere between fine and good. Uh, I wouldn't get it much past fine. It was fine. It was fine. It it had a lot of potential. Uh, I guess. I I mean, so we can talk about it from the perspective of being, you know, written and directed and starring B.J. Novak. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt like... The direction was nothing. It was super straightforward. Like, like here's the people. Like, which is not bad. And I don't know that he's directed anything for TV, but it, like, is very much how you do TV. Is, you know, you gotta... It's something special when there's a lot of directorial effort put into a lot of television shows. It's not Mm -hmm. as very common. Although when it is done, you get like episodes of Ryan Johnson directing Breaking Bad. I know you thought I was going to go in a different direction with that. <laughs> Ryan Johnson directed two of the absolute best episodes of Breaking Bad. Uh, Fly and Ozymandias. That are, like, you watch them and you're like, man, that's a well-directed episode. <laughs> yeah, when you don't notice the direction. It's not a great start. If you do, no- sometimes if you notice the direction, then it goes the other <laughs> way. And it's like, oh, that was oh, bad. Oh, doing was very bad. this wasn't bad direction it, it was, was competent fine. it was, it was fine. fine the writing on the other hand i thought was bad oh you thought it was bad i thought it was inconsistent and then like some of the things got set up that i thought would be interesting to explore and then then didn't. there was no follow through yeah so i mean the whole premise that like this liberal uh, New York podcaster goes to uh, rural Texas mm-hmm. to find a story about America. America. And I still can't quite remember how he was framing America. It was very convoluted. So maybe that was part of the point, too, of how to talk about the divides in America. Yeah. And the using divide this... isn't physical or spatial, it's temporal. Mm-hmm. Which and doesn't you, using actually the example mean of of a um, another true crime podcast. Yeah, which the funniest thing I think in the movie um, is that they called the podcast "Dead White Girl." Well, there was that scene where they had several different titles up on their murder board. Fair, but it wasn't actually a murder board. It was actually breaking it up into episodes. It was breaking they out a podcast. To, they it weren't was... trying to solve. Yeah. The, the death. But they repeatedly referred to the podcast as 
dead white girl. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's the name they finally settled on. I guess it's open to interpretation, but um, like that's it's that like almost edge of being clever, but not actually doing anything Didn't clever with it. Follow through. Um, what the podcast was doing? No, no. it was. I, I felt like the writer wanted to be making a commentary on what. Do you mean B.J. Novak, the writer, or yes. B.J. Novak's character, the writer? No, no. B.J. Novak, as the writer of the yeah. film, was yeah. wanting to make. Um, a statement? A, a statement about Americana. Yeah. And it just got really muddled. Yeah, there was nothing there. Like, the character he plays didn't really come that far and seeing the family he was interviewing as, like, complicated and... Um, learning things from them. In the character's defense, they're not written very complicated or That's nuanced. True. That's true. <laughs> they're written like characters, as yeah. was almost everyone in the movie was written, including Novak's character, Ben. Um, he named himself Ben after, I think B.J. Novak's first name is also Ben. I don't know if we know that. It is. Benjamin Joseph Novak. <laughs> he named the character after himself mm-hmm. that he played and wrote. That's the level of nuance that we're bringing to this sort of a film. <laughs> that B.J. Novak is bringing to this film. Right. We've talked before. It's interesting when characters change. Yes. And his perception didn't really change. I mean, he went from he went from I don't really care about these women I sleep with to maybe I should care a little bit about these women I sleep with. Well, and okay, spoiler, and he goes from really using this family yes. in a very unethical yes. way to deleting the entire podcast. Yeah, although I did yell about that in my head a little bit, saying that's not how deleting podcasts work. Like... Even if it's stored on the cloud, like, the the heading of the files you deleted was, like, podcast, raw, fo- raw audio. And I'm like, they've been editing this thing for months. There are multiple duplicates of all of this audio somewhere. Like, deleting the episodes before they go live isn't, isn't doing anything. It's a minor quibble. But I was like, that's not how any, like, I am barely a podcast producer and I know that's not how any of that works but that was a minor goal. Well, yes he deletes the whole thing because he wants the story to just be between him and the family what little story there is because there isn't really a story there which is kind of the premise of the podcast which again seems like it might do something interesting but never really does yeah. and then there is something there which undermines the whole thing because like yes Okay, she did, again, spoilers, die of an overdose, as we were led to believe, you know, early on. Mm -hmm. Because he rolls into town, and the brother of the dead white girl is like, she was murdered, we have to get vengeance, name Mm -hmm. of movie. Um, And he's like, she obviously wasn't murdered, she just OD'd. And then, like, he gets 
drawn into this web of conspiracy and getting to know people and following leads and everyone's like she must have been murdered and no she really did od but then also we get the reveal of like this is a regular thing that happens and the nice music producer is also a drug kingpin and he definitely like didn't necessarily orchestrate her death but made it so that nobody would investigate it like negating also didn't like help her when she was clearly ODing yeah. by calling an yeah. ambulance or like I don't know maybe if you're a kingpin drug dealer and you watch people do your drugs maybe you carry with you the what is the thing you Narcan? Narcan? You yeah. You just carry some Narcan like, with you? Because I feel like you should carry some Narcan with you. You know, you're losing customers when yeah. they OD. ODing customers are not good for business. Oh, that's, that's some really dark. It is. It's real really dark. really dark. <laughs> I went to a dark place. Yeah, this movie thinks it's a very dark comedy and never actually accomplishes yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the family, I don't get a sense. There are lots of mentions of like the way conspiracy theories take hold in communities like mm-hmm. this in red states red um, areas but there's no analysis well or... this family like i get no sense of them on like a political spectrum no um they own they own guns yeah that's about that's, as political as it gets um yeah and i love whataburger yeah are they you know you're setting up that you're going to break down the stereotype and then or you humanize don't. the stereotype, which probably we don't need. I mean, we don't need any more. <laughs> We've got a lot of that. Oh, you know, the red fam- red families. That makes them sound like communists. <laughs> um, you know, th- these sort of communities are full of people too. With, yeah. We've only been hearing that, like, feelings. once a month in a New Yorker article since 2016. Um, and he writes for the New Yorker, which I think is extra funny. Mm-hmm. Again, not intentionally funny the way he wants it to be, but I feel like you are going to say something. Oh, well, I think, I think Ben, the character, is set up as a bad, very hypocritical, mm-hmm. like, liberal uh-huh. Um, but yeah. even that's not particularly analyzed or explored. There's very little exploration in this movie of any of the ideas it puts forth. Uh, I think Ashton Kutcher did a pretty good job with mm-hmm. a character who's basically given monologues to deliver. Yep. <laughs> And, like, no characterization beyond that. Yep. I think he brought a lot to that. Uh, Issa Rae did a lot with nothing. Mm-hmm. But that's Issa Rae for you. Everyone else in the movie was fine. They had nothing to work with. There's lots of people I recognized. Mm-hmm. Like, Dove Cameron. I recognized her. I recognized uh, the grandma. Oh, I didn't recognize the grandma. I don't, um, was it the grandma or the mom? The mom is J. Smith Cameron from Succession. Maybe that's who I recognize. I got, I got that backwards. Yes, I recognized her. I don't know that I recognized the grandma. Uh, I recognized Terry Gross. Yep, yep. Got, got I heard real, her voice. Real paycheck for that little, one. Little cameo. Yeah. 
Uh, yep. We're gonna settle on. It's fine. a movie. Uh, this is a slightly different topic because I don't have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. So, one of the muddled things mm-hmm. that I think was supposed to be a little bit muddled, but not as muddled as it turned out, was if this is a true crime podcast or if this was a podcast about Americana through the death mm-hmm. of um, a young white woman. Mm-hmm. And that made me think are there a ton of true crime podcasts because I feel like there's been a lot of making fun of true crime podcasts and there are a lot of true okay. crime podcasts. Okay. Um 9 times out of 10 when I talk to someone I ask and that we and the content, you know, podcasts come up as a thing. They go, "Oh, I love podcasts." And then they will list, like, four true crime podcasts. Okay. <laughs> there are a lot of them. Um, and one thing that a number of true crime podcasts have done recently, I don't, I can't point to you specifically which ones, but I've heard people talking about it. Um, they have specifically moved away from true crime stories about dead white girls. Mm-hmm. Um, as sort of like the only victim being spotlit. Um, most of them, I'm pretty sure, like, aren't the super in-depth serial, like, on-demand, not on-demand, on-location style. Mm-hmm. It's more like, we read some court transcripts, and here's a summary of, of this particular case mm-hmm. in an episode or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the serial thread, so to speak, of, like, narrative over an entire series... Um, is less common, I think. The way that serial uh, is investigative journalism. Yes. The true crime podcasts are not investigative journalism. Only the first season of serial deals with a Uh, murder. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you can tell, like, the producers of serial kind of hate that that's what they're known for. Yeah. Um, Because, like, yes, they've done crime-adjacent stories in some of their other seasons and other productions. But it's always like... It's not like a young girl was killed and we're going to investigate and find the truth. Uh, like the Bo Burnham season? Not Bo Burnham. I know, I also <laughs> was like Bo Burnham. But then Bo I, Bergdahl. Bo, yeah. <laughs> it was also in my head. I was like, it's not Bo Burnham. It's not Bo Burnham. Don't say Bo Burnham. Don't say Bo Burnham. He's Bo not the army deserter. Bergdahl story. Um... Which was like quite a departure from the serial season one, and then season three, which was all about a courthouse and sort of like this ever expanding world through the lens of a single courthouse, which I thought was a really good season. Yep, I enjoyed that. Um, but we didn't we, make it through the Bo Bergdahl season. We did. It just ended poorly. <laughs> Okay, not their strongest. No. Well, the problem was, um, I think the problem was 90% of their content was coming from this documentarian who was making a documentary about the Mm. Bo Bergdahl, Mm -hmm. who had gotten access to Bo and had granted a bunch of interviews. Mm -hmm. And so like, almost all of their stuff was either coming out of public record or out of these interviews, which... 
hurt the investigative journalism part of it. It was, I think they didn't realize that there wasn't enough of, like, an arc there. Mm-hmm. And then they moved further away from an arc with season three. Mm-hmm. And they've since done other smaller, like, serial presents um, with, like, the Improvement Association and Nice White Parents, which were very interesting investigative journalist podcasts mm-hmm. and not about salacious murder. Okay, so I'm glad you confirmed that yeah. there are a lot of There are a lot of them. I don't listen to them because I generally don't like true crime as a format. I do think it can be very exploitative and salacious and not disingenuous, but like callous um, in a way that, that makes me feel icky. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other like true podcast, true crime thing I actually read a bunch of or went through was um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which was real good. Um, but it also is about the writing of the book I'll Be Gone in the Dark and it has that metatextual level that helps me like it more. I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say about this well, movie. Well, the film takes up something, an, another like trope that's popped up, which mm-hmm. is the questionable ethics of the podcaster mm-hmm. um, that you see in like with Tina Fey's character with Only Murders in the Building. Mm-hmm. Um kind of question her motives yeah in, in in that and then there's a whole you know the second season i don't want to yeah, we're not spoiling that in this episode <laughs> it goes more into depth of possible questionable um practices and um um rutherford falls also has a podcaster who mm-hmm. um decides to exploit yes someone kind of close to him to get the story. Yes. Um, so that's at least two examples mm-hmm. of the And this is now a podcaster. third one. Although this one says I think the least about any of it than those did <laughs> in comparison. Mm-hmm. And Rutherford Falls is real funny. This did not feel funny as a movie. No. Sometimes I don't always notice Sometimes I don't get the comedy and dark comedies, mm-hmm. so um, I don't always notice if it's not funny. I noticed that it wasn't funny. Yeah. I did not find any of it amusing. Like, I feel like for for dark comedies to work, in my opinion, there has to be a heightened sense of ridiculousness about what's going on. It needs to be a little campier, a little over the top. Um, whereas this was just, here's things that happened. Ain't that messed up. But none of it was absurd enough to laugh at the humor. Mm-hmm. Counterexample, just since we're wandering all over the place. Um, there's a 2000s era film called Breathless. It's a small, indie, dark comedy about a southern woman who murders her husband 
kind of by accident, but he was a jerk. Um, and her best friend comes over and finds that this has happened, and so they decide they have to get rid of the body. And so one of the things they try to do is cut him up and then put him in the blender. Like, that will work. And that's the sort of, like, heightened, like, it's dark. It's gross. It's unusual. But by taking it to that sort of step beyond normal is where the comedy comes from, in my opinion. This was morose. <laughs> it's like, yep, these are all things that can happen. I do have to say the ending did surprise me when he discovers how mm -hmm. she died. Mm -hmm. And then he kills Ashton Kutcher. Mm -hmm. I didn't... I figured he'd just... Kind of I certainly didn't see it coming. Um... But it didn't add anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> it didn't... It didn't make me think differently or it no. wasn't poignant or... Um... Meaningful in any way. Other than... You know, B.J. Novak got to write a scene where he explained Chekhov's gun to someone, and then they got to use Chekhov's gun by having him shoot somebody. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy that, where he's talking about Chekhov's gun, and the sister's like, but there's not a I've gun a lot in of Cherry Orchard or Uncle Vanya. Uncle Vanya has a gun. <laughs> there is oh, okay. a gunshot in Uncle Vanya. Uh, I'm not as familiar with Uncle I only Vanya. know that because I've seen it Vanya on 42nd Street. Yeah. <laughs> And read it. I read Uncle Vanya. Um, I've not read Cherry Orchard. I think the ultimate example, of course, is Hedda Gabler. Which yes. is not by Chekhov. It's not by Chekhov. <laughs> but it is the, like, there is literally a gun on the mantelpiece <laughs> yeah. in Hedda Gabler. <laughs> They're talking about the gun. Yes. Um, yeah, no, the, the murdering Ashton Kutcher felt meaningless. Like, nothing... I don't know why it happened, other than I guess he felt bad. I thought that he was convinced by Ashton Kutcher's speech as like, you could out me as the drug dealer who dumped her body in and this we'll area, make, we'll and then I'm going to go on the talk circuit about mm -hmm. it, and people will be divided on how to think about it. They're not going to see me as the the bad guy yeah. necessarily, and. And that convinced Novak that uh, it was pointless. I mean, yeah, failed to deliver his uh, takeaways that mm -hmm. he wanted to on Americana. And yeah, shot Kutcher and erased the podcast. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I see that. I'm not saying that like that's poignant. It's a or, strong choice, <laughs> or um, made a strong ending. But that's how I read. No, I see the, that the purpose of that happening yeah that to me that just says yeah you think this podcast is a lot better than it probably actually was bj novak writer of this movie <laughs> oh, i feel like we're being hard on bj novak i'm being making hard on movies ben. Is hard. making movies is hard every movie that exists is a miracle yes every single one it is unbelievable that anyone manages to make anything and there are Ever. a million choices. It's no one creator that of course not creates um, whether a film is. Did he edit good it? Or also, bad. I just want to check. That would be a lot to also edit. I mean, to be fair, Kevin Smith writes, directs, and edits all of his movies. 
movies. No, it was edited by three people who were not B.J. Novak. Mm. Um, Kevin Smith edits his film while he's making it, so he can show it at the rap party. We know directors are usually like around for the editing, even yes. if they're not credited, credited as yeah. editors. Yeah, and I mean this was, I think, an indie, relative independent picture. I don't think. It wasn't, it wasn't like a studio production. Yeah. It goes more of an indie. Yeah. Um, I just wanted more. Mm-hmm. More anything. <laughs> um, I never got a sense of... This is, this is the thing that, that I think doesn't work for me structurally in the film is we're supposed to think that bj novak comes to have this deeper understanding of abilene the character the girl who dies dies. um and we see him watching videos of her and we get ashton kutcher's monologue at the end about like how all you're in love with is the videos of her the record which is an interesting point but we also never saw enough of those videos to understand why he felt that way. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of a hollow center of the movie, and I feel like also the podcast. But the podcast doesn't exist, so that might be me projecting. And did we run out of things I to say? I think we did. Um... Uh, it was certainly the first time I'd heard Red Solo Cup in a long time. The song that opened the movie. Yeah, I would have been, we we did miss the first five minutes or so because it was so dark. <laughs> this film, so we tried to close the windows to reduce the glare, but it we didn't just do enough. Could not see what was on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably wasn't just the glare that makes me think that the filming of it wasn't real strong yeah i also think that i mean i think about watching like the lighthouse which was had lots of dark scenes but was mostly intelligible the whole time see it yeah because we watch most of these movies during the day yeah because nighttime's for sleeping (laughs) i mean we do watch tv at night yeah that too but you don't only watch your movies at night. It's um, TV time. I have to be prepared. Yeah. I have to be mentally prepared for it. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't like watching movies on Saturday afternoons. I had to learn to... <laughs> um, that that was okay. That that was okay. Routines. Don't like to break them. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Metacritic average is 6.9 out of 10, which is... Which is in the, like, fine Yeah, it's range. higher than I would give it, but yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you want to tell them about our pod, Patreon? Our pod, pod Patreon? Patreon? It's a Patreon for the pod. Um, it has been a while. Let me see if I can remember. We have a Patreon. <laughs> That's the first part. Patreon.com slash five degrees. That's the second part. Support is on a per episode basis. You can put a cap on it, a monthly cap. So if you just want to support one podcast a month, that's totally fine. 
Um, there are two perks for signing up. One is you get the completely unedited, unedited episodes from when we turn the mic on to when we turn it off. Yep. And we talk to Whether our Whether you want that or not. <laughs> and you also get a list of movies we didn't watch, because Kevin gives me a list of five movies and I pick one, and it helps both of our anxiety levels. Yay! So, those are the two perks. We thank you for listening. And supporting. Um, and supporting. And rate us on your favorite podcatcher. Yeah. Did I get it all? I think it's all the big things, yeah. We have a website, 5degreesbetween.us. No, five yeah, it's too clever. That's the problem. <laughs> Nobody I, goes to websites anymore, so I figure you might as well have a clever... Too clever. Nobody goes to websites or go to social media. Is that yeah. where we live on the I, internet? I saw an amazing quote recently. Um, I mean, this should be post-show content. I'll make it post-show content. Subscribe to our Patreon to get this post-show content. <laughs> uh, say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.